Hey everyone, it's Mr. Eggstitch. And I'm Mary. And welcome to Season 3 of The Lovecraft Show. Episode 2, Season 3. Uh, I was going to say something four on the floor and add rocks at the jaw, but there's a Beastie Boys reference that a lot of people don't get. I don't get it. No. MCA's in the back, but I'm not going to tell you what he's doing. It's very bad. Welcome to the Lovecraft Show, everybody. It's lovely to have you here. We are glad to be back for our second episode of this season. And we've got a treat. It's a big treat, I'll say. It's one of our favourite guests coming back for a second bite of the cherry. Yeah, so the funny thing is, is that she was our second ever guest. And so every time we have her on, I think we're just going to have to have her on the second episode of the season. Yes, even when she's 92. The super fans of you will know we're talking about Sarah Jane Frigiola, a.k.a. Bella Coco. We love Bella Coco because she she is the queen of crochet. I mean, I think there are queens of crochet around the world. If you do crochet, you will no doubt have found Bella Coco on YouTube, on Instagram. And now you're going to be able to find her on your bookshelf. Yes, that was I, that was an exclusive we got there, wasn't it? It was we an got, exclusive. Oh, man, we can't. I'm not going to talk about the book now. Because you'll just have to listen. Say hello to Sarah Jane. I told my doctor I had difficulty hearing in one ear. He asked me if I was sure. I said, yes, I'm definite. Boom! <laughs> Very good. Wow. Well, that's a great start for our latest guest. I would love to welcome Sarah Jane. From Bella Coco, crochet goddess, lifestyle blogger, now podcast host, among other things. <laughs> How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me back again. I'm so excited. <laughs> We're delighted to have you back again. I know we've got so many things to talk about because you have been a very busy bee. Yes, very busy. How long ago was it that I came on the show last? I'd say it's like three years. I think it was in the year 2019, yeah. wasn't yeah. it? Was it? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Do you remember when the world was like you could hang out with people? When we were totally oblivious to what was about to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We really were, weren't Maybe we? Some people say that the start of the Lovecraft show was the beginning <laughs> of the end, but I'm not... No. Um, it's a marker. It it's a marker, Jamie, isn't it? We can go back to that moment. But you were our second guest on the Lovecraft mm. show and we were so so excited just as we are today but we were so excited that you were coming on the Lovecraft show because you're such a mega star of the crochet oh. world and we were <laughs> I remember being quite quite dizzy actually at the time yeah it was good because I, I listened to the show again and Miriam was like I'm really excited and I was like I've got no idea who you are. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a good balance. No, because time. I had I had actually been through your whole labour with your first child, oh, uh, watching it. Oh, not not watching your labour, but watching the updates come up as when you were in hospital. And then you know, however many months later, to actually meet you in real life, that was just yeah. amazing. Yeah, I think it was the first ever podcast that I'd been on actually. So it was really exciting because I travelled down to London and uh, got to meet you and do the podcast. Yeah, so it was. It was very exciting for me as well. And so what have you been doing since? Been up to much? Um, no, years? not really. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, what have I been up to? So in the last three years, so you mentioned watching my labour from my first and I've now had another one who is, she's 15 months old. So that's that's a pretty big deal. Um, <sighs> within that time, I've also moved house 
we've been in nearly two years, which does not seem wow. right at all. I, I don't, the last two years is almost like a time warp, isn't it? Like where, yeah. what, <laughs> like what It happened? was so strange because when we were in lockdown, it felt like it was a long time. But yeah. looking back now, it's just flown by. Yeah, it has. It's bizarre. But then obviously work-wise, I've just recently moved into my new studio space, which is amazing, like literal dream come true. Uh, within that time I've also been working on my very first book which is super exciting very exciting and then just generally just carry on making um video tutorials I've still been doing the crochet society um subscription box so it's been all go but in a very positive busy way (laughs) you know I want to ask you about your studio because I remember seeing um in the first sort of vlogs about it that so isn't it next to a textile mill or something that's really old which is a great connection for you isn't it yeah it really is there's a lot of um, places like that in Nottingham um obviously it's very well known for its lace and the lace market and things so there's all these like huge factories that a lot of them are now apartments so the same as what it is just across the canal but yeah it's really nice to have that connection and just to feel like you're almost carrying that energy along I love that absolutely gorgeous yeah I would love that too Mm -hmm. and how does it feel now that you can work away from home so you're not you've not got a yeah home office do you know what on one hand it's amazing because you kind of give that distance between working and being at home So I still work from home because you can't get away from that when you have young children and you're having to just fit work in here, there and everywhere. Um, The one downside is I feel like I need to have two of everything (laughs) because I'm one of those people who likes, I I do hoard, I do hoard a lot. (laughs) Um, So it's like when I'm at home, if I get inspiration for something, I can't bear it if I don't have the things to hand. So sometimes I'm like, oh, no, I've left that at the studio or I'm here. I'm like, oh, no, I've left it at home. So I'm currently having to make sure I've got two of everything (laughs) so that I can have stuff here and at home. Presumably having your own studio means you've been able to like set up dedicated spaces for like recording your tutorials and then separate workspaces and those sorts of things. How's that? Yeah, sort of that's awesome. So I have my little filming room and it was really nice because they actually made me like uh, my team. They made a little sign to go on the door, which it like says filming studio or the filming room. Um, and then we have um, an area where we all, because there's four of us at the moment, where we all sit and like work and chat. And that's so nice because it's very different to working from home. Then we have like a photography space and then we have the thinking room, which is our meeting room. And then obviously the kitchen and things. So, yeah, it's it's awesome. And I, I kind of still come in. I'm like, wow this is mine <laughs> like this yeah, is built amazing. from you know what I started with and yeah it's just I just pinch myself and I'm so grateful every single day oh it's amazing I'm gonna come work for you now <laughs> <laughs> you need to I love it down and have a look yeah we should we should do a, a, a on tour Jamie yeah, we should. We threatened that. We're just waiting for them to buy us a bus. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll go the live tour. <laughs> yeah, because it's an interesting thing for me because I like, you know, I'm I'm based at home at the moment. And I think that there's, I think you have to get to such a point of 
you know, because it costs a lot to have your own office and、mm-hmm. those sorts of things. It feels like it's a big leap, but、mm-hmm. at the same time, it must then free up so much for you in terms of creative possibility and stuff like that. Like it's, I sort of stare in wonder because I feel like I'm a million miles away from making that transition. Was there a time when you knew that it was the right thing to do? Or yeah, I think it was more so the frustrations of working from home and just feeling like you are in that space all the time. Even though in our new house where I was working was slightly separate from the rest of the house, whereas before it was literally I walk up the stairs and see my. Office, my crochet office, every day. But yeah, it was when the team started to grow. We just really felt because, because it's like a creative. Well, it is a creative business, isn't it? You just vibe off each other so much. Vibe. Look at me sounding all like. No, I like it. I like it. I like it. <laughs> It's true. You just you do you vibe off each other and you bounce back and forth and yes, there's probably、uh, more interruptions from working from a studio than when I'm just at home on my own. But it's really really nice to be in that creative space and just get really excited and I really love it. I really do. But yeah, it it definitely wasn't something that happened overnight. It was something that I considered for a long time and always had a goal in mind. And then it was just like, you know what, I'm just going to do it. And I know that you work with your mum. Yes.、Right? Yeah.、Mommy、and then、Coco. and the rest of your team, like, kind of what? Yeah. What?、Uh, how does the team work? Are you like the big cheese, big thinker now? <laughs> no, they tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah Jane, have you done this yet? No, sorry.、Um, no, my mum. She she works for me, Mummy Coco, also known as Jackie. <laughs> She's amazing. She j- just kind of keeps me organised. Then we have Nicola, who does photography and helps with the planning of the content, and again keeps me organised. And then we also have Sherry, who is quite new to the team, but she's helping with social media. And things like the copy, so things for the website and、um, newsletters and stuff. But then we also have other people on the team as well who aren't necessarily here; they are a bit further away. Further away. So we have Emma who helps out with some of the crochet and、um, also some of the like responding to some of the comments when they're more technical. And then Emily, who's a tech editor. So. Although there's four people here, the team is is growing, and we have a lot of people who contribute to Bella Coco Crochet and really help it keep moving. Because I could not do it on my own. I don't, I don't know how I did it on my own in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, but and you're more than just a like you're both a crochet company and a media company, right? Because a lot of your work is underpinned by the YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. yeah, you could you could class it as that. I obviously have the YouTube channel and the blog, which brings in revenue, and then there's the digital side. So it's it's the crochet content and the patterns and the eBooks and things like that. So it all comes together. So there's a lot of. Wheels or plates spinning, but it's really fun and just such an exciting, just an exciting place to be. And that I mean, those are a lot of plates to keep spinning in the air. Yeah. yeah. I mean, along with your now, you've got your podcast and you're an author, so you've got a book coming out. Can you tell us about that? What? How did that come about? And how did you、yeah. cope with the sort of writing the book and running everything else and being a mother to small children? Do you just give up sleep because I know <laughs> with two young children? Are you just like ah sleep? Who pretty much,、right? pretty much. 
So actually, I got the book deal back in 2019. And it's not even well, it comes out at the end of October, 31st of October. So it's been a long time coming. And one of the reasons why it's been so long is yes, because of the lockdown and all of that. But I also fell pregnant. And I got really poorly, like at the beginning of the pregnancy with sickness and things. So that was a lot. And at the time, we were in limbo of when we were actually going to move house. So I asked for an extension, which they kindly uh, gave to me. And then there was a change in the uh, my editor. So my editor left and a new one came in. So there was a bit of a delay with that. And there's just been a few things that have been um, like come and gone that have that have happened with the books. But now finally, <laughs> it's, it's here. It feels like such a long process, but it was it was exciting. But yeah, I, th- I remember one day specifically where all of the projects that I'd done for the book were due to be collected the next day. And I had one particular project to finish, which is the blanket. That feels weird because I've not said out loud yet <laughs> what's in the book. It's got a blanket. Yes. That's an exclusive, everybody. <laughs> so it was, it was the blanket, the main project in the book that I had to finish. And I spent 13 hours nonstop crocheting. Thank oh. goodness for my mum and my stepdad who took Ella for the day and kept her entertained. But I literally sat and there frantic, frantic, <laughs> frantic crocheting for that whole day. I actually watched both seasons of uh, The Discovery of Witches. So, you know, it was a pretty awesome day, to be fair, crocheting <laughs> and <laughs> watching Netflix. <laughs> but my eyes were so sore at the end of the day. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, I mean, there is this thing, this sort of cachet, of being published, I think. And so both of you, Jamie and you, Zodan, you've now got a book under your belt. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, does that? how does that feel to be a published author? Well, obviously, I mean, if I can speak first, my book's been out for several years now, so obviously I'm quite used to people just applauding me as I walk down the street. Because <laughs> I get that a lot, obviously. So um, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I think, like, I'm going to sound like a bit of a... Gr- first of all, it is, it is brilliant. There is nothing like when you get your first box of your books you know you get your first sample and then somewhere down the line you get your first book um, box and I've had two books so I curated a gallery book of embroidery and needlecraft and I can remember the day I got that that was like the first one I did I think it came out in 2012 and just being I was by myself at the time and I just got this box and just sort of sitting there and looking at it and getting quite emotional because it's such a random concept until it finally gets printed and it ends up in your hands and stuff like that and it's just it's a really lovely legacy thing to have, I think, to always say I've done this one book. From a financial standpoint, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because like you get paid in advance and then you get some royalties and stuff. So unless you've done 25 books, someone like Debbie Shaw or Crafting Legend, you know, unless you've got a lot of books, it's not something you can build an empire upon. But nonetheless, it's just great. I love sometimes people will say they got my book out of the library and it will be in New Zealand or something or other, you know, and I think those are fantastic things. And actually... It's good. There's a you need to check. I think it's called PLS. There's like the public lending service where you can get royalties for people taking your book out of the library. Mm. And every year I get a check for like 50 quid. And it's the best 50 quid because I know people <laughs> who've got the book out of the library. That's totally worth doing. But how are you feeling about it? Yeah, it doesn't feel real at the moment, to be honest. I mean, I only got my book physically in my hands last week. 
so that was the first ever time that I saw it and like I I did get emotional and I actually filmed it and then annoyingly my camera just like my phone just stopped working I'm like why why this is three (laughs) years in the making why would you choose to stop now um, but yeah, I got really excited when I opened it up and I showed my little girl and I was like, Ella, look, this is mommy's book. She's like, ah, you play with me now, mommy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, not yeah. do you know how? Do you know how long this has taken? Um, but yeah, it, it still doesn't feel real to me because I haven't really spoken about it yet other than to say, I'm working on a book. It's going to be coming out soon. I mean, it was supposed to be coming out last year. So maybe people have forgotten about it, but <laughs> um can you tell us the name of the book? Because I don't know we've said yeah, that. Yeah, it's called You Can Crochet with Bella Coco, a clear and simple course for the beginner. <laughs> That's the official title. <laughs> it's coming at peak time because Christmas is coming. So lots of people will be thinking, oh, that's just such the perfect gift yes. to buy someone for Christmas. And so that's, I mean, it's great timing, even though it's taken a long time. Great timing. Yeah. And the the book's really good for people who already have their crochet skills um, because there's projects in there that you can work through. But it's also mainly, well, I, I wanted to design it for people who have never crocheted before. So it literally talks you through step by step of how to crochet. And then all of the patterns in there are specifically designed for your first pattern to do which is quite simple and then the next pattern you work on it and there's a bit more of a technical element in there so you can learn throughout the whole book right until you get to this showstopper blanket at the end so I'm really excited for people to get their hands on it and uh, either learn to crochet or just have it as their little handbook with those extra projects in there that they can work on and and the thing is I know because I've seen your patterns and things and I've followed you for a long time I know they're going to be gorgeous and I know they're going to be really well written patterns and I think this is another thing that's important about crochet is that for years and years and years nobody had patterns yeah so people just you know our grannies whatever they would just do granny squares or probably tablecloth things and things for tables and crochet has evolved so profoundly over years and years and years now that patterns actually quite complex and if you're not used to reading a pattern and lots of people that crochet maybe don't read patterns this is the perfect way to learn how to read a pattern yeah so you start off with like a really basic pattern and once you get into the hang of that then those patterns are going to make more sense the way you progress through the book Yes. And all of the information's in there as well, like talking about the abbreviate, the abbreviations, so the crochet shorthand that we use. It talks all about uh, how to read through the pattern. It's pretty much a step by step walkthrough. If you start at the beginning, work your way through, then you'll you'll end up being very good at crochet, I would say. <laughs> I love it. Because you've done so much groundwork with all your existing tutorials on YouTube. Were there differences or did you were there things that you did in the book that maybe you hadn't done for the videos or because they're two different styles of teaching aren't they and I just wonder what the differences were that became apparent. Yeah it's very different to to write instructions rather than to teach instructions so I did have to really think about that and and really think about what words I was using and how I was laying it out because it's a lot easier to show people on camera but you know with crochet the basics are the basics but it's it's about 
for me, I feel it's about doing it in the right order and taking your time to learn those basics before you progress on. And that's really what the book is about. You start with those very basics, that basic knowledge, and then you move through to be able to be a lot more confident um, in your crochet skills. I think that's one of the really interesting things about crochet. So many people, the first thing they learn is a granny square. And yeah. I'm always thinking, why? That's just not the hard, you know, that's hard. You need yeah. to start with some stripes. You need to start <laughs> with just some side to side things, you know, backwards and forwards. Yeah. It's extraordinary that everybody wants to go round and round right from the start. Is it because they want the utility? Is it kind of like they, they go, well, if you're going to make something, it may as well be useful? No, I think it's just that that's the thing that springs into their mind. Mm, I think so. Because granny squares as well are so gorgeous um, in all their glory and there's millions and millions and millions of different types of granny square i think people get very you know they see a blanket and they're like oh you know they want to make them because they're exciting and they're colorful and they're very fashionable yeah i think that's why did the book take you in any directions you weren't expecting to paraphrase or for this to make sense right so when i did my book you know i had ideas of what i wanted to do so with my book it teaches you how to cross stitch but i also had elements of how to make patterns and why cross stitch is like more than just a hobby and stuff like that. But there were, at a certain point it all came together and then I almost had to go and backfill certain elements to make sure that the the tale I was telling made sense. Yes. Because in some ways I was like, I might never do another cross stitch book again. So this is like my Bible or something. Yeah. Was that similar for you? Absolutely. I think sort of when you think about what what's first going to be in it, you start writing and then you're like, actually, I'd like them to know this before they do this. So there's a lot of swapping around. There's a lot of adding things in there. It was really fun to do, actually. And it, it gave me the opportunity to think of myself as a beginner again, because sometimes when you've been doing it, you might not think that you know that much, but you forget the very, very basics. So it's just it was just a matter of stripping it right back to those basics again. I love to actually look back on videos uh, that I've done and see what questions people are asking because they might ask a question that hasn't even occurred to me. So I try and make sure that things are then entwined in my content um, and especially in the book as well. Do you do much in real life workshops? I don't. Because they terrify me, to be honest. <laughs> and I don't know why, because obviously I used to teach. So I used to teach beauty therapy. So I'm used to teaching people in person. And whenever I do, for example, I did um, I did a little talk the other night for um, an event that I do with my friend, which is for uh, women in business, the female business network. I was quite nervous about doing a talk then. But when I was actually doing it and after, I was like, what were you so scared about? It was mm. amazing because you it, you just get a buzz from people in person, don't you? But no, I don't. And I think one of the other things is because, you know, there's that much going on for me at the moment in terms of like the business and also house renovations and the kids that committing myself is hard. And if I'm being honest as well, um, I have been suffering quite a bit with anxiety over the last couple of years. And actually, that's made me a bit of a commitment phobe for some bizarre reason. Um, but trying to like knuckle me down for a time has been difficult over the last few years because I'm like, well, what if I need to do this or do that? So, yeah. Oh, that was a very long explanation of why I don't do uh, <laughs> in-person no, 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 I think, I think, isn't I think it? <laughs> 
No, but it's a fascinating point, right? Because I used to have like a monthly workshop that I did in London back in the day and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it can be a very rewarding experience. But at the same time, with things like lockdown and stuff like that, like hardly any of us have done any workshops. And now yeah. I look at it and and sometimes I think I'd be more at ease having a business model that means I don't have to do workshops. Yeah. But at the same time, you miss out on the magic of when people get it. Yeah. And that's quite a nice thing or whatever. And it's just trying to, you know, I'm I'm thinking about it. Obviously, I'm I'm the same as you, right? Because when you've got two small kids, I think it's it's not fair to, to make any grand plans other than getting to that point or yeah. something. So then I think at that point, maybe I'll branch back out again. But, yeah. but then the interesting thing, I think, is with a lot of your stuff, like say your subscription boxes are massively popular. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of catering to people who already know how to do it. So maybe part of your thing is just teaching people who already know via methods that are like not in person. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely two um, two different types of people that do follow. A lot of the beginners watch my YouTube and then um, hopefully once they've watched the YouTube and they're a bit more, you know, into things, they then move on to look at my website and maybe subscribe to the Crochet Society and things like that. So, yeah, there's definitely two different audiences. I really want to talk to you about Crochet Society. Yeah. I really also want to talk to you about anxiety, but we'll start with Crochet Society because I think that's really... I remember seeing Tom Daly doing one of your crochet society boxes and he was so excited this is kind of like at the beginning of his crafting journey yeah and obviously now he's got all his own sort of empire his big yarn empire which is gorgeous um but I was so thrilled to see him doing one of your projects and he loved it so much and I think it was one of those sort of like it was must have been like a crochet along type of thing where he was doing Different it was the advent calendar. Yeah. It was calendar. the advent That's calendar that he did. And he's so fast. He crochets yep. so quickly. Like, wow, if there were Olympics in crochet, he would win. <laughs> yeah. And he said to us, he said to us, you know, he, because I said to him, how, he just learns things at lightning speed. And he says it's because he's an athlete. So he's used to mastering something to the point of uber perfection mm-hmm. he's also aerobically fit so he can just do things faster than all of them <laughs> yes yeah, so his fingers he's a slightly bionic man isn't he um but that was i had seen crochet society for a while and i'd seen some of the projects and things and um and it's a great subscription box i'm a great fan of subscription boxes i think there's so much joy in them because you don't know what's coming a box arrives it's great excitement. You open it, it's got beautiful things in it. And yeah. oftentimes something that you don't have done before or something that you, so you sort of pushed yourself out of Absolutely. your comfort zone to learn something new. Yeah. How do you keep that fresh? <laughs> so do you know what? A lot of it comes from just listening to subscribers and like seeing what they're enjoying, but then also my own inspirations as well. Quite often, because obviously it's not just me that does it, there's there's a team behind it. You know, we can come up with a theme and then we just, <laughs> we get so jolly and so excited. I'm like, well, what if we do this? What if we do that? We're like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. So I think just, again, like I was saying before, being in that environment where there's people bouncing off each other and then coming up with these ideas. We have actually just changed the boxes to bi-monthly because they used to be monthly. And one of the reasons for that is because the world has changed again in the last year, whereas people before they were in lockdown, they had the time to sit and do these projects every month. We found that people were just um, not finding time 
to get, you mm. know, because life's got busy again, hasn't it? We yeah, all yeah. vowed to not get as busy as we did before and then here we are again. So we've changed to bi-monthly to give people that time to really sit and like take it all in before the next one comes in. And I think that's a really, a really good move to make because we just do need to slow down a little bit, don't we? Yes, we do a bit because we, yeah, um, it's a bit like us with the podcast. We, we're not going to cram in as many as we did before. Yeah. You don't have as much time to complete a project necessarily yeah. before the next box comes. Yeah. So with your, sort of, do you have people coming in and designing for you or do you design all the projects? Um, I don't design all the projects. I think I would, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I would I wouldn't just blow up. Say. Yeah, I would. <laughs> Even the thought of it is making me laugh. I obviously um, do all the projects for the tutorials and that takes a huge amount of time. But one of the things with the Crochet Society boxes that I wanted to make sure, you know, remained as a concept is not only introducing people to new yarns, new yarn weights, new colours, new techniques, but also introduce them to new designers within this amazing community that we have. There are so many talented people out there and, you know, I don't want to just keep producing a box, which is just my projects all the time, because I think people would get bored. And I think I would, well, not that I would get bored, but I just like having that variety of other people because they do things very differently to me sometimes. I've learned so much from these boxes just by doing the tutorials. I'm like, oh, never thought of doing it that way before. Or this, this is new. This, this is something, you know, different for me. So I love that element that there are the designers. Uh, we, we usually have three designers in the box because I just love to see what they come up with. And again, just offering that variety. I love that as well. That the, There are so many, and you must find this, Jamie, with with embroidery and cross stitch the designs that come out of people's minds are so incredibly clever and it's just inspiration constantly for something new you know like you say new methods i find it to be a double-edged sword right so with my magazine a i get the joy of curating what other people do so nine times out of ten i don't have to design anything and that's great because you get to keep things fresh. You get to keep, you know, pushing at the boundaries and stuff like that. The flip of it, though, is that my own insecurities then come into play. And I'm like, oh, my God, everyone is so much better than me now. <laughs> There's like oh, an expectation I that. that I should do something really well. Like I've just had a conversation today about going uh, every fourth issue the December issue of my magazine is a mixtape and there's no theme it's just an eclectic mix and I've got someone guest editing it for the first time this year so this designer called Melorise she's from France and she's choosing the artists and stuff the designers and we've just had someone drop out and she was like how about you doing it and I've gone yeah but at the same time I'm like biting my knuckles <laughs> going oh Jesus Christ I've got to really step up to the plate now because that's a problem sometimes sometimes you see people who've taken an idea that's been at the back of your mind and they've gone and knocked the ball out of the park. And yeah. then other times you just realise you can't necessarily keep up. Yeah. I mean, is that, that, so you say that resonates with you? Yeah, all the time. I suffer hugely with imposter syndrome. You know, am I good enough? If people are going to watch this, do people, like even with my book, I said, when I opened it up, Nicola, I said to her, do you think people are going to like it? <laughs> She's like, <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> do you know, like, it's so interesting, isn't it? So, I mean, just imposter syndrome and anxiety. Do you uh -huh. think these things come from success? 
it's a sad thing that those things come. The more successful we get, the more worried we are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think um, I was speaking to somebody the other day and she said to me, new level, new devil. I was like, oh, that's <gasps> very interesting. Good. Yeah, yes. I re- I'd never heard that before. And I'm like, yeah. Um, and I was speaking to a friend the other day and she was saying that she's uh, got all these thoughts of... Um, you know, not being good enough. And I'm like, I'm, I'm very easy to give out the, the advice. I'm like, that is a sign to you that you're reaching the next step. You're going to the next level. Just embrace it, work through it. You'll be absolutely fine. But the, the amount of people, and I think particularly creatives who suffer from imposter syndrome is just ridiculous. And I think, honestly, we need to be teaching more, more of this stuff in schools, because I'd never even heard of imposter syndrome until probably about five years ago. But when I heard what it was, I was like, that makes so much sense. Mm. I think there's so many outside influences that if we if we could learn to, I don't know, control our emotions, not control them, but feel them and understand them more from a younger age, you know, that's what I'm trying to do with my girls now. I think it it's it will stop those outside influences as much. Yeah. And, it, you know, all this social media, you know, you see people and you assume people are living these perfect lives and they're not. Um, so then you kind of move on thinking that you have to show yourself being perfect and then people shop, stop showing up as their true selves. And that that's the issue, I think. So I do think it's really important that if you want to do something, don't feel like it has to be perfect. Just go for it. Show up as your true self. And, you know, those people who want to watch you or follow you or, you know, pay an interest in what you're you're doing they will be there. And those people who aren't interested, they'll just go find people who they are interested in, you know. Yeah. And I think it's testament to you showing up as your true self that you have the colossal following that you have. You know, people genuinely, absolutely love you. And it's, you know, the evidence is there, you know, they're following you because they really, really like you. Oh, <laughs> and thank you. That's, that's so nice, isn't it? That's <laughs> just lovely. Like you said last time, I think, you know, people actually get very defensive of you or they're very, you know, yeah. they love to be part of your life. And I think that's that's what will happen. The book will come along. People will go, oh, Sarah Jane, I love her. I'm going to buy her book. And, yeah. and then and then they'll say, Sarah Jane, I love her. I'm going to put her in my ears because yeah. you've got a podcast as well. <laughs> that sounded very and strange. So that, I wondered where you no, with that. We go then. in people's ears all the time, we do. <laughs> But tell tell us about the podcast because that's a pretty new venture, right? Yeah, so um, I'm just about to have uh, season two of the podcast with some very exciting guests on. <laughs> I heard you've got some right corkers in there. <laughs> hint, hint. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it's just something that I've wanted to do for a while. And to be honest, it's just been in one of those things where, you know, the idea was a couple of years ago that I wanted to start one, but you know, one thing happened and another thing happened and before you know it, years have gone by, but it's basically a podcast. Um, I'm still finding my feet with it, to be honest. The first season was, I had different guests talking about different things, like Tony from TL Yarncrafts talking about yeah. Jesus and Crochet. Talk about starting with a bang. You got TL Yarncrafts. She's a 
favourite. She is my favourite too. I absolutely love her. She actually just recently did a, a review of my Athena hooks on her YouTube channel. And when I saw it come up on my, because she told me that she got them after the podcast, she was like, look what I've got here. And they were still in the box. She was like, I've not had a chance to look at them yet, but I've ordered some and I can't wait to like to give them a go. So when it came up on, on my feed, my heart literally sank. And I was like... Oh. Oh, my husband was talking to me at the time. I was like, Anthony, just be quiet because I need to watch this. <laughs> I was so excited, like fangirling. But yeah, that was that was exciting. But we'd also talked about things like tech editing. So things behind the scenes that people wouldn't necessarily know about. But um, those people who just crochet for a hobby would find interesting. But those who do do it for a living um, found it interesting also. And, you know, we're just going to be talking about all sorts. I'd love to talk more about mental health and because I think crochet and mental health go very much hand in hand, don't Mm, they? Yes, yes, they do. Mm. Yeah. Uh, The wonders of craft actually for mental health on so many levels from sort of just for mental health, but also for physical well-being. Yeah. It's always a fascinating thing with the podcast. Like when we started out the Lovecraft show, I don't think we entirely knew where it was going to end up, Mm. but... There have been so many topics that we've covered along the way. It's become quite profound. And now is a great opportunity to remind our listeners to like the show and subscribe to The Lovecraft Show on your favourite podcasting platform. Leave us a review and all that. But I think there's something, yeah, just about finding interest in people to talk to and those sorts of things. I wonder whether you've got, have you got like a list of people in mind? Are there people who are influencing you now who you would hope to have conversations with or you're just admiring? Yeah, so there definitely is. I'm one of those people right now at the moment that I'm not very good at planning in advance, (laughs) which Mm -hmm. I should be. So I need to reach out to a few more people. But also, I have been asking my audience who they would like to hear from um, and what kind of things they would like to hear us talk about. But I actually have uh, Laura, you know, the maker of It Costs That Much because it takes me oh, yes. deep hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The well-known song. Um, she's coming on um, to the podcast and I have a few others lined up as well. Ooh, lots um, of fun. So, yeah, exciting. I know you've also got a very exciting membership opportunity coming up. Um, yes. That's going to be really good. When do you think that might appear? So that hopefully September, October time, that's going to launch. I really would just wanted to create this um, space or this space to people to build a community and build friendships with crochet. So it's an exclusive community. But then within that, you also have access to all of my patterns and all of my videos ad free, which is good because I know some, some ads sometimes drive people crazy and I get that but (laughs) you have access to that um but then also the support side of things as well so there'll be people within the group responding to crochet questions helping people along and I just really envisage it being a place where people can come and learn and feel confident to learn and to ask questions and to to egg each other on but basically what I have now um online but very much more condensed without the extra distractions which you can sometimes get that seems like a good trade-off because you've as you said before with the crochet boxes is you're slowing the rhythm down of those Mm -hmm. but for the hardcore Bella Coco crochet enthusiasts and the membership allows them to keep hard hard lining i'm trying to make drug references and i don't know what i'm talking about right now they can they can really stick with you you can get as much of you as feels comfortable 
yes, yes. And I'll, you know, do live videos and they'll have a chance to interact and stuff like that. And it's just, for me, a way of really, you know, being there for those people who do follow along all the time or whether it's from the beginning or just a few weeks ago, but really have that love of crochet. Um, I just want to live it, breathe it, (laughs) have it there all the time. I think that's going to be so exciting and I'm really looking forward to all the details being available and and actually, you know, finding about all about what it's all about. And it'll be so successful, I'm sure, like everything else you do. Oh, thank People you. will love it. I think what we're going to have to do is uh, have you back on in season. I'm just trying to do that. Like about season eight of the Lovecraft show now. Another couple of years down the line, yeah. we'll be like, well, now there's a Bella Coco craft uh, theme park. Yeah. We'll be like, <laughs> yes. oh my God. Remember, just yes. being an idea. And now look, bouncy crochet. Can you imagine towards. like a roller coaster with like a, you sit in a yarn ball. <laughs> Yeah, oh, a log flume, kind of, but instead you just dive one. into a load of yarn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been fantastic having you on, Sarah Jane. Yes. Thanks it... for being back with us. Just remind us about the book again. So the book, it's out the 31st of October. It's called You Can Crochet with Bella Coco. Um, I'm really excited to have it out there. Uh, you should be able to find it on Amazon and I think it's in John Lewis, hopefully on Lovecrafts as well. So yeah, check it out. Go and... Oh, so Jane, thank you so much for joining us and sharing all this exciting news. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been fantastic. And don't forget, everybody, check out Sarah Jane's YouTube, all the Bella Coco fab things, uh, the website that we'll put all the links in the show notes and everything for you to find all things Bella Coco. It was so great to get so many uh, bits of feedback from the last episode as well, where we had Francis Quinn. It was lovely to get letters from you. I've got my friend Ralph over here who's going to read a letter for us that we got in despite the fact that we're recording this before any of the shows come out. Ralph! Yes, mate! Hello! I'm here. What do you want me to do? I want you to read a letter that we got from an imaginary person who wrote to us. Is it your mum? No, not this time, Ralph. Although undoubtedly... Hi, mum. Hello, Jamie's mum. You all right? Haven't seen you down the pub for a long time. God, you were good at playing darts, I remember. Ralph, you're getting a bit (laughs) off topic, mate. I know! (laughs) I could do this all day. Can you read the letter? Dear Lovecraft Show, it's been great having you back in my ears again. I do crafting. It's ironmongery. And when I'm hammering metal at 850 degrees Fahrenheit, I love to listen about dainty crochet and amigurumi. And would you do anything about paper quilling? Because it's great. <coughs> Lots of love. <laughs> Betty from Norwich. Well, thanks, Betty. That's a great email. <laughs> Thank you, Ralph. Wow. Betty Thanks, from Ralph. Norwich. You and her... mate. I'm off down to bargain booze. Do you want anything? Can you get me some dry roasted peanuts, please, Ralph? All right, mate. See you later. Bye. <laughs> Slam's door. And thanks to Betty for her email as well. That was good to know. So don't forget, you can get in touch with us at show at lovecrafts.com. If you've got any feedback, if there are any crafts you're doing, high temperatures or no high temperatures, uh, if you'd like to get in touch and let us know, that'd be great. We'd love to hear from you. (laughs) 